Welcome to the Gov Guys, a podcast brought to you by two guys with one and a half good beards between us. I'm Mr. Hertzler. And I'm Mr. Crowder. And it's been a while since our last episode. Ah, uh, yes, the good old supersized episode about political parties. And what do we have for you today? Well, we're still talking about political parties. Just when I thought I was out, they dragged me back in. Was that the Godfather? Yes, well, one of them anyway. Well, if there's anything that a crime family doesn't like, it's competition. And political parties are the same way. Wait, did you just compare political parties to the mob? It is what it is. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, enter we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union. Government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Welcome to the Gov Guys podcast. Episode 12, spoiler alert, third parties. Yeah, so as we mentioned in the intro, today we're going to be talking a little bit about third parties. We're hoping that this episode is not going to be as long as our in-depth look at the mainstream political parties, but we do need to talk about third parties. Yeah, let's let's sideline third parties again. That sounds right. Yeah, uh, they don't talk about third parties enough, and now we're not even going to talk about them that much either. But third parties are any parties that aren't part of a mainstream party. Most of the time, they can be defined as a splinter group or a grassroots movement that that lead to new ways of thinking about politics. Yeah, and sometimes you really have to kind of throw your elbows around to make space in that that traditional two-party system that we've had in our country. But the third-party system is really important. Right. Sometimes third parties will use their influence to, you know, influence the major parties. Um, we're we're going to talk about a lot of examples of what is good about third parties and what is bad about third parties. And this huge competition for space in the media, you know, you want to make sure that you get you get your 15 seconds of fame. It's sometimes hard for third parties to really kind of come up for air, as it were. So ultimately, we do have some very notable third party kind of media moments in the last several years, uh, because ultimately, sometimes in order to get on the mainstream news, you do have to really kind of be outlandish or different. Yeah, with the idea of the soundbite, um, that's a, a lot of what these these third parties use to get their ideas out there, especially with new social media platforms like TikTok and, 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 and Instagram. It's all about the quick 10 seconds of, you know, what can I get out to the people? Yeah, absolutely. And so let's let's spend a minute talking about some of our favorite third party moments just while we're on this topic. For me, I think... It's got to be the the rent is too damn high party. And it's a guy named Jimmy McMillan. He ran in 2005 and 2009. And, and I think most famously, he issues this single issue political party of basically getting rents in New York City under control. Pretty much anyone out there is going to know that rents are very expensive throughout the country, but especially in New York City. He had this kind of populist type message talking about really driving down rents and making things more affordable for the average Joe. So let's take a quick listen to him and see what he has to say. I represent the rent is too damn high party. People are working eight hours a day and 40 hours a week and some a third job. 
Women can't afford to take care of their children, feed their children breakfast, lunch, and dinner. My main job is to provide a roof over your head, food on the table, and money in your pocket. This is politics as usual, playing a silly game. It's not going to happen. The rent too damn high movement, the people I'm here to represent can't afford to pay their rent. They're being laid off right now as I speak. They can't eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Listen, someone's stomach, chilled, child's stomach just growled. Did you hear it? Gotta listen like me. Okay. Let's Mr. talk McMillan. about the issue. Mr. People can't Mr. Mr. To Cuomo, rent. 30 seconds for you, sir. Rent is too damn so at the time, he was obviously, this soundbite was played back to back to back on the mainstream media. You know, I, I think that he probably has a message that would resonate with a lot of people, but oftentimes, which is unfortunate for third parties, you know, you're kind of played almost for laughs or for, or for the novelty of things. And if I remember correctly about him, he was more associated with like the city of New York or, or a major metropolitan area. So he was more of a local politician guys so uh, um that that really hurts him as well absolutely uh do you have examples maybe from the national realm where where third party candidates have made a splash yeah probably my favorite moment is not really with the third party itself but the third party candidate and that being gary johnson of the libertarian party gary johnson is not your stereotypical politician as as far as if you if you saw him in a crowd, you'd probably say there's no no way that that guy's running for president. A lot of his wardrobe was he'd wear a shirt, tie, and a jacket, but wear blue jeans. Yeah. Um, sometimes he'd wear sneakers as well, not not really dressy shoes. And it always looks like it's just off the rack, like it's not well fitted or anything like that. It's it's it is hair yeah, is always it, hair is always a little unkempt. It's is interesting. Yeah, he he picked it up off the clearance rack and he goes, "I'm just gonna wear it out." And some of the, the ways of explaining things, it's just for the average person, they might understand it. But a lot of his viewpoints were very off the wall. Uh, right. One example, which we're going to play for you here in a minute, is his his opinion on, on climate change. The way he says it just is off the wall. Take a listen. Talk a little bit more about uh, how you uh, view the issue of climate change and uh, what should the government's role be in mitigating that? Well, uh Climate change. Uh, I think the I think the world is getting warmer. Uh, I think that it's man caused. That said, should we uh, be engaged in uh, cap and trade uh, taxation? No, I don't think that we should. We should lend certainty uh, to the e energy field. We should be building new coal-fired plants. When you look at the amount of money that we're looking to spend on global warming in the trillions and look at the result, I just argue that the result is, is completely inconsequential to the money that we, we would end up spending and that we could direct those monies in other ways that would be much more beneficial to a mankind. I mean, the long-term view, I, I, should we take the long-term view when it comes to global warming? I think that we should. And the long-term view is, is that in billions of years, the sun is going to actually grow and encompass the earth, right? So global warming is in our, in our future. Right. You don't, you don't normally hear, like, scientific explanations for why you shouldn't believe in climate change, but, but, the, but there it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so Gary Johnson gets his uh, notoriety running in 2012, or is it 2016? No, 2016. Okay. Yeah, so, there was four... There was four parties in 2016. There was the two main ones. There was Libertarian with Gary Johnson, and then 
uh, Jill Stein. Green was... Party. Green Party. Green Party, yeah. But, uh, yeah, 2016 had a lot of options. We'll, we'll talk about why in a minute, but I, I think it is worth our time just spending a little bit, a little moment on the Libertarian Party overall because it tends to be seen as one of the the more favored third parties, for lack of a better way of saying. I don't mean to interject, but we're forgetting about our favorite third party from 2016. And, and um, we all should remember this party, and that's the Joe Exotic Party. Um, that Joe Exotic... If you've ever seen the documentary Tiger, Tiger Kings, just remember that man ran for president in 2016. Let's actually um, start over. If you were in, if you lived through COVID, you probably know what Tiger King is. That <laughs> you was you do of, know what Tiger King is. That was one of our go-to, like, in the group chat, which, you know, teachers are real people too. We have a group chat, and that was always <laughs> one of our conversations of, oh, man, can you believe what's happening in Tiger King right now? But. You know, right. Like running for president or did he run for governor of Oklahoma as well? Like, it's uh, pretty you nuts. know, it's it's so hard to keep track of the people on that show because every every twist <laughs> and turn is never what you expect. But um, I, I think it does just while we're talking about like parties with notoriety, uh, I think the Libertarian Party is really one of the ones worth mentioning in terms of what people need to know. You know, if I had two words to describe the Libertarian Party, it's really just like it's hands off. Right. It kind of comes from the name, the, the Libertarian or, or Liberty Party. They, they they like their freedoms and they don't want the government to get too involved at all, really, to what, what they're doing. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a little I, I would argue it's it's much more conservative leaning, but, it you know, I, it has stuff that's more liberal in there, like uh, maybe a more. Um, liberal view about drug use and things like that. Because again, the main idea is basically the government needs to stay out of things. And some libertarians take it as far as like, you shouldn't be paying taxes because the government shouldn't be providing you any services. Like it, it should all be kind of private market um, and, and everything. Government needs to get out of the way, stay out of the way. Yeah, your stereotypical libertarian would be that like old man that you imagine saying, you, you government can pry it out of my cold dead hands. Get off my lawn. Yeah, it's my property. I don't know my tax money. I don't know why the libertarian by default is Southern, but that, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> well, well. One, one of the best one of the best get off my yard moments from the Libertarian Party is also involving Gary Johnson. And it's actually this short clip from the debate in 2016 regarding driver's license and whether or not that should be a requirement. So let's take a listen real quick. Should someone have to have a government-issued license to drive a car? Hell no! What's next? Requiring a license to make toast in your own damn toaster? <laughs> the license to drive? You know, I'd like to see some competency exhibited by people before they drive. So, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that was, I mean, uh, that was, that was different. <laughs> Right. But I mean, again, for better or for worse, a lot of the times third party sound bites are often played for kind of comedy or the novelty. And it's not so much deep political or deep um, position issues. And third parties definitely play a huge role in positions uh, later on down the road. But oftentimes, again, you don't really get to hear it. And that's one of the things that I think we need to focus on first. We're talking about some of the, like, uh, the bad things that come along with running a third party campaign, because 
we do traditionally have a two-party system. So oftentimes, third parties are oftentimes left out and not included. So Hertzler, how about you take and run with a couple ideas regarding some of the uh, why why third parties struggle? Yeah, I'm going to go with the the obvious one right off the bat that Crowder's mentioning is just the lack of notoriety. Um, a lot of third parties, like the the rent is too damn high party, for example, we were just talking about. It's a very regional party, right? So it's more local government. So it's not going to pick up steam nationally, which it doesn't always have to be. Um, sometimes a third party in local government is better um, just because of it's a certain issue for it. But like the populist party, for example, um, mostly focused on Midwest issues, right? So if they ran a presidential candidate, the only people that are going to be voting for that person or supporting that party are people in the Midwest that know what that party's about because during the late 1800s, we didn't have Twitter or Facebook or 24 hours news sites. So if you, you've never heard of the populist party, of course, when you look at the ballot, you're not going to vote for that person. Yeah. Name recognition plays a huge role, but I, but I think one of the biggest things also is that they just don't have the infrastructure that the two major parties do. Yeah. Infrastructure. I, I mean, I'm not talking obviously like roads and bridges in this case, but like the political infrastructure of fundraising, financial support plays a huge role, especially if you're looking at the 2020 election where billions of dollars are literally spent on the election uh, of trying to get, you know, one person elected. Uh, third parties just don't raise that level of money because as Hertz reported out, they just don't have the notoriety, the name recognition. It's hard to fundraise for somebody who you've really never heard of and don't really necessarily know what they stand for because even if and i think this is how most people probably vote even if you don't necessarily know the candidates very well you know where the parties are when you're talking about the two-party systems and so oftentimes it's really hard to raise money off an unknowable name but also an unknowable platform yeah that infrastructure thing is is really important remember when we talked about the structures of party you know, you have the the party and the government, the people, and it's that last group, the the actual officers. They don't have the foot soldiers as they were going around polling and advertising as much um, that the, the the major parties do. Yeah, and grassroots obviously plays a huge role in campaigning, and that's why oftentimes third parties are most successful at the local level. But yeah, as you mentioned earlier, it's, it's limited. Um, another big problem with third parties is the lack of inclusion in debates, right? They don't get invited to the debate. What's the rule? You have to have like 10% or something of that. It changes. Um, a, it change, it change, yeah. It changes a little bit year in, year out. And it probably depends a lot on, uh, on the media and, you know, who's willing to put on the show, but like, you know, even if you get to primary elections, if you're not polling like 5% of the voters, they're not going to show you on TV. And that, that goes for third parties as well, especially when you have a debate like, uh, oh man, uh, 2020 Trump versus Biden debates, which were notoriously just kind of gruesome to listen to. Uh, if you have a third person up there also competing for space and time, it, it, gets, it gets hard really quick for people to try to listen in and make decisions. So even just getting on stage and, and being seen as somebody who could potentially be a president or a senator or house member uh, can be an issue. 
Yeah, they don't even, you sometimes will see them on the major news networks, you know, giving speeches or, or, or giving their viewpoints. But again, it's really quick. It's, it's not the time that they're, they're giving to the major candidates as well. Yeah, and one of the other things worth mentioning, uh, along with the idea they're not included in many of the debates, they may not even be included in the ballots. Like, you have to have, and this is the tricky thing about elections that varies widely by state, but, you know, let's say you have to have tens of thousands of people who theoretically say they would support you in an election to even get put as an option. And, and in some cases, you might have really good ideas, but without that name recognition, without the infrastructure that your party offers, you're not even going to be an option for people to vote for. Yeah, you, you, and most people are just circling boxes. They're are circling, you know, names. They don't want to write somebody in, right? Um, because you know the write-in is just not successful. And one of the points you're mentioning is kind of like, what's the average voter? What what's right. the the average voter is probably not very engaged, and so they're not going to take right. the time to look up these candidates, uh, or try to figure out if there's a write-in campaign and things like that. Oh, oh, the election's in two weeks. I probably should figure out who I'm going to vote for. Right. Or, and this is a story that kind of goes back to to my family. Um, you know, for the longest time, my great grandfather would get the the clip out of the newspaper, and like like make a cheat sheet for everybody's like this is who you're gonna vote for right make, make make sure you circle the right boxes you know so they're not looking to write in they're just looking to check the boxes what they want to do right you're voting for the 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 r or the d next to their names you're not necessarily voting for the even the candidate what they stand for it's kind of purely political right and speaking of political and and crowder this is something that has kind of come in a lot more recently is this is another thing that really hurts third parties is sometimes third party are single issue parties, right? Even if they have a really good point, right? Because they don't also support this idea, people will stay away from them, right? Um, For example, if it's a party that's just for public education, right? And want to improve public education, Somebody might say, yeah, public education is important, but you're not tackling the economy, so I'm not going to vote for your party. Sure. Yeah, or or kind of the opposite of that is like, you know, let's take public education. Well, Democrats are running on this too, but they also have these issues that I like, you know, uh, that, that could be an opinion that a lot of voters take. And so even though you might have great ideas, once again, just being the third party, especially a single issue party, you're going to get very quickly kind of boxed out of, of that decision-making process. Which comes but, to the another yeah. good point is like the splinter idea. Yeah. Um, parties will splinter off one another. Um, and you might take some of the party with you, but you're not going to take everybody, right? Not everybody's going to leave. Right. I, name a famous example of that, because I think that's kind of good to to have an example of what a splinter party is. Yeah, there's like. two, two really good examples. Um, one being the Dixiecrat Party in the 1950s and 60s, where you see a a section of Democrats, especially Southern Democrats, um, they start leaving the Democratic Party because of the Democratic Party's support to the civil rights movement, right, um, and their viewpoint of civil rights. And they kind of form their own party called the Dixiecrat Party that kind of runs on very similar ideas of the Democratic Party, 
minus the whole civil rights push. Um, the other good example would be right before the Civil War in 18, 1860, um, you're going to see a split in the Democratic Party again for the, for the first time. You're going to see the Northern versus the Southern Democrats. The Northern Democrats supported popular sovereignty for deciding free states and slave states, whereas the Southern Democrats were just like slavery should be allowed everywhere. And that really hurt their chances in the 1860 election. Right, because as soon as you start getting to the point where you're splitting votes, it becomes a major issue of like, you know, doing the math of if you have even a chance to win. And the Republican example of that would be Teddy Roosevelt and, you know, uh, the fact that he believed that Taft wasn't as progressive enough. The good old Um, Bull Moose Party. Yeah, yeah, created his own party, the Bull Moose Party. Um, to run against Taft, and neither one of them were successful either. I mean, Taft beats Roosevelt, but Roosevelt took enough votes away from Taft that he wasn't able to wit- beat um, then Woodrow Wilson. Right. Woodrow Wilson only becomes president because they basically split a big percentage of the votes between uh, Taft and Roosevelt. And I think it would have been close, but I think Wilson still had it. It was close. It was close. And it's it's going to be a close election. It's hard to know as soon as you play hypotheticals because what, you know, maybe people voting for Teddy Roosevelt wouldn't have voted for Taft. You know, it's it's tricky, which which gets into, you know, the spoiler effect. And I think now it's kind of like we've talked about some of the negatives of parties. And I think the spoiler effect maybe is is kind of a last negative of sorts. But I want to I want to kind of change our perspective on this and talk about like why successful third parties can be a good thing because we have had successful third parties in the past. It may not necessarily show on the huge national scale, like uh, presidents, for example, at least recent history, so to speak, but you have had these wildly popular third party candidates like uh, Teddy Roosevelt, or even more recently, like Ross Perot in 1992, Ross Perot uh, pulled almost 20% of the vote. Uh, and, And that also played a spoiler role in that, uh, Bill Clinton wins that election in 1992 on a plurality of votes, not a majority. I think he had something like 42% of the vote um, because 20% of the vote went to a third party. Or even spoilers can also happen to more recent examples. Uh, and one that gets a lot of people really riled up is in both the 2000 election and the 2016 election, two Democrats who win the popular vote but actually lose the election because you have certain candidates who are sapping away, you know, a thousand votes here and a thousand votes there. And in 2000 with Ralph Nader, if if we're talking about the state of Florida being lost by Al Gore by uh, 530 votes or something like that, you know, a, a few thousand votes for Ralph Nader make a huge difference. Or in 2016, looking at places like Michigan, uh, which swung for uh, Donald Trump. If if some of those Jill Stein voters had had voted for Hillary Clinton instead, we would have had an entirely different election, possibly. Third parties do have some appeal. Uh, even in this modern age where things just seem so divided between the two parties, I think it's important to note that that first and foremost, having a third party means that somebody has a good alternative candidate. Right, and it makes uh, politics more accessible to everybody, right? Um, you may not agree with the mainstream party, but hey, this this party gets you. This party understands 
what you're going through. And if that makes you feel included, that, that's awesome. And, and plus with the alternative candidates or alternative perspectives, um, we have some third parties that play along with the major parties and we'll use uh, Bernie Sanders, for example, Bernie Sanders is a uh, part of the socialist party, which is a third party in America, but he works with the democratic party to, to get things done that, that support his, his party's ideas. Sure. And, and, and take the 2016 election, for example, he didn't run third party for the, the primary election, but he made huge splashes in that democratic primary that writers a year earlier would have said like, oh, it's a lock for Hillary Clinton. Bernie Sanders really gave her a run for her money and probably pushed her a little bit further left because he had more quote unquote radical ideas uh, that appealed to so many people that it forces the party to acknowledge uh, in their platform. Some of these ideas are, are good things that we want to include so that we have that broad base of support too. Yeah, it's very similar to the populist party again in the 1880s where they, they come up with these, these ideas of very progressive ideas um, to help out society, especially for farmers. Um, and they even end up, they don't have to, but they end up joining the Democratic Party um, to try to boost the numbers of that party in the it was the 1898, 1898 election. That was the big one, uh, McKinley versus William Jennings Bryan. Yeah. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. He ran four times? Five times. Five times, okay. There's only one other person that also ran for the same amount of times that never won president, um, and that would be uh, Henry Clay. Was the also the guy that ran a bunch and just never won. It was basically like Leonardo DiCaprio before The Revenant came out. It's like, man, he keeps getting <laughs> close, but it just never happens. The Braves in the 90s. Oh, man, don't bring that up. That <laughs> freaking Yankees. Okay, I apologize to any Yankees fans. If you're one of the five people that listen to us, we appreciate you too. You just you just messed up our New York market. Thanks. I know, our, our New York market. Hopefully they cheer for the Mets, but I guess they wouldn't like the Braves either, so... Um, right. Yeah. You, you mess with Spider-Man. You mess with all of us. We, we like New York. Yeah, this I is don't, where the episode, this is falling. This apart. is where the episode falls apart. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we've talked about some of the positives for third parties. You know, it offers an alternative candidate. Some of their ideas can became, become mainstream issues as soon as other parties realize that they kind of have to run on some of those issues too. We talked about how third parties have have maybe not enjoyed success at the national national level like presidency um but they do play a role in shaping presidential politics when you take people like bernie sanders for example so let me ask you this question and maybe we've answered a little bit already but do we have space in our two-party system for a successful third party no and i'll tell you why uh it kind of goes back to when we were just talking about our voting systems our political party systems, the fact that it's winner take all, right? It just really hinders their ability to be successful. And yes, you can use the spoiler point to say that they can make an impact, but their impact isn't to play second fiddle, right? They they want to get in government themselves and make the changes and get their names out there. And I feel like just saying that that spoiling is good, yeah, it does make a difference, but that's not their main goal. Right. 
I mean, if, if you look for the last third-party candidate to win electoral votes, it was in 1968, and it was George Wallace, and George Wallace ran a very aggressive anti-civil rights campaign, and he picked up several southern states. His goal effectively was to basically cause uh, a contested election uh, that would help other candidates win, even though, uh, again, his goal wasn't necessarily to win, it was to kind of disrupt Right, and and I feel like there's, I don't like the idea of disrupting elections, right? Because it's the people's will gets to decide. So if you have a third party, someone like George Wallace, just trying to say, I'm just trying to institute a little chaos, kind of like the Joker and, right, um, you know, the Batman series is, um, but it, it just, yeah, we're hurts. We're we're lucky that Hertzler has brought up the Joker because he didn't do an impression like I would have. So. You know, that's the, the, the positive thing about all of this. Uh, Just a dog chasing cars. <laughs> you think I have a plan. Um. <laughs> so what is your opinion, Scratter? Do, do you think, like, we've, we've heard my side of the argument. Do you think that, that third parties have a chance in the two-party system? So I think it's hard to see in this day and age. I think people uh, cast third-party votes more as a protest vote now versus actually believing in someone. And I think that's honestly how we vote a lot in elections, whether we're voting for the Democrat or the Republican, is we're often casting votes so the other guy doesn't win, right? But I think historically, if we're using historical examples, because I love to use historical examples, yes, third parties have been successful in the past. In fact, the most successful third party of all time is one of our mainstream parties now it's the republican party you know it started in 1854 and it was uh you know kind of this northern party that's goal was essentially to do away with slavery yeah and their their big point was free soil um, right because they were kind of a splinter off the whig party free soil is the whole, give... the whole idea that new territories added on need to stay uh without slavery so not successful in this day and age, which I see um, kind of goes back to the idea when you hear people vote, it's like, I'm just voting so the other person doesn't win. Right. I'm taking the lesser of two evils, which I don't, if we have how many people in the United States, if we can't figure. 350 one, million roughly. Yeah. If, if we have two that we're just saying, well, I don't want either one of them to win. What is wrong with our system? Right. And and I think that's the really big reason behind third parties is, you know, I, I think there's a lot of dissatisfaction with the candidates recently. I, I You know, a lot of people are kind of scratching their head and they're like, the options we have in 2024, this is what we have. This is it. This is all we can come up with. And that level of dissatisfaction can become a big movement or a bigger movement for a third party. Like one that kind of comes to mind as it probably more, plays more of a spoiler role right now, but I think that no labels party could play a big role in this election if they put forward a candidate. And the big idea of the the no labels party is that uh, essentially it's it's moderate Democrats and Republicans who are trying to kind of abandon the two party system. Uh, people like Larry Hogan uh, from from Maryland or um, Joe Manchin from West Virginia. And people who are a little bit more moderate, who have opinions that kind of bridge the two established political parties, 
I could see a, a kind of a moderate party being successful down the line because I think a lot of people in the middle are largely dissatisfied with the options. Real quick, hypothetical. I know hypotheticals aren't fun, but if we do see a successful third party down the road, should should there be a look into changing how elections work nationally for president? And what's something that could be changed to really help out third parties? If we don't want to completely dismantle the Electoral College, which I know a lot of people have strong opinions on both ways, I think nothing is going to change. If maybe we keep the Electoral College, but instead it's not winner-take-all, like you have in in Nebraska or Maine, there are a couple states who award a one electoral vote based upon a certain congressional district in their state. You know, if you have a proportional division of electoral votes, maybe you see a a successful third party kind of stepping in uh, and being a a better option for more people. So you're saying kind of make it look like, so let's take North Carolina, for example, we have 16 electoral college votes, right? So kind of divide it up between the districts, right? You know, district one, if, if Joe Biden wins district one, then he gets that that district's electoral vote, or yeah, even or, or even just split it uh, percentage wise. You know, I think okay. it's a, a lot of states would split fifty fifty nearly because it would be, it's it's like that. But you know, you take and we'll get an elections episode in here soon. But you know, you take a just state a, like just a food for thought question, right? You take a state like California. There are more Republican voters in California than pretty much any other state but they lose every single presidential election because there happen to be more Democratic voters in California. And so this winner-take-all brand, I don't want to go as far as say almost disenfranchises voters, but you can argue that a lot of the time with winner-take-all, the popular sovereignty doesn't reflect the opinions of the the losers, quote-unquote, of the elections. That's a very good point. Um, And until that's fixed. And and it kind of... You know, we talked about it. We talked about voter, you know, turnout. It kind of lessens the voter turnout a little bit because it's like, if I'm never going to be successful, if I'm never, if my candidate's never going to win, why do I go cast a vote? Right. When local elections are just about as important as national for state elections. If not more, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a fun episode. Yeah. Um, a lot shorter than our, our mainstream party uh, episode. A lot more fun <laughs> anecdotal stories. Right. Um, I th- so I hope you enjoyed this and took something out of it. Got a little preachy there at the end, but that's okay. Um, I think, you know, politics are worth discussing, and especially when we get to issues of third parties. Uh, you know, there's a lot of debate. Are you casting protest vote? Does Are you throwing your vote away? You know, it, it's right. important to mention. But uh, we will hopefully get you a new episode pretty soon. Um, what's on the docket next time, Crowder? Mm, let's see. We definitely have an election episode coming up. I'm not sure if we're ready for that, but um, let's go with a good I think old. We're talking two- about interest. Interest could, groups, right? We could talk interest groups, elections, media, media. Media's coming up. I think. Those are those are kind of on the docket. So 
stay tuned. All right, guys. Well, have a good, good day. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yep. Take care of yourselves.